0: Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. So we're going to start with a little bit of fun uh, this week. Uh, this was a question that I saw on Twitter recently, which I found quite interesting. Um, I want you to tell me something that you hate that everybody else seems to love that seems to be wildly popular elsewhere. You can start.
1: Uh, I can start. Uh, I would go for coffee probably. Wow. <laughs> coffee really. The thing is I'm I'm not hating coffee, I'm just hating like the, the fuzz around it. Like mm. when everybody says, like, Oh you can't talk to me before my first coffee in the morning and you know, like or like I wanna like triple frappuccino with ice. Like I don't <laughs> I don't get the full thoughts about it man.
2: Yeah fair enough actually. For me I would say Star Wars probably. Oh yeah. Everybody loves, loves this. Like Helga for instance. I see. I <laughs> and me I never catch the, the feeling about this movie so I try to watch once or twice and never got into this so that's it for me I can see where you're coming from gala <laughs> I'm I'm kind of a
3: traitor of what you said but uh no I would I would go for dogs dogs I, just, <laughs> <laughs> I don't like them I just I can I force myself cuz the little fellas, they did nothing to me but I just cannot stand them it's just I don't like to have a dog around it makes me nervous I don't know why
0: I agree with you on that one actually uh, I don't see the big fuss about dogs okay. I've got 3 Oh, one of them is The the Arctic Monkeys, (laughs) or The the Average Monkeys, as I call them. Uh, The other one is kind of similar to Star Wars, superhero movies. I don't get it. What's the big deal? (sighs) Not interested. Grow up. (laughs) And lastly, seafood. Uh, That's that's a pretty controversial one, I'm sure. But I don't eat anything from the sea.
3: No way, mate. You have to back up on that, man. It's
0: all disgusting. (laughs) It's all absolutely revolting. Well, Especially prawns and like, the they just like right. I, I fat, just, horrible worms. I just not like, like the octopus. Like, oh yeah, don't get me started. Like, like,
3: yeah. <laughs> you guys, this is like, this is like, if my mom would hear you right now, <laughs> she would just like cook her, probably a four course meal based on only seafood just for you in order to we eat kind of, I wouldn't like just, it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you, it could be the,
0: the most beautifully prepared, beautiful, fresh fish, horrible. Need to try, you need to try. His
3: you need to yeah, try. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand how you could say. but Did you try seafood? I've tried Actually. lots of stuff. Yeah, yeah. But like, which kind of seafood? Like everything, but where everything? everything. In Manchester or somewhere? Else? <laughs> yeah, good <laughs> point. <It's
1: a> good <laughs> point. The good old Manchester prawn.
3: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, welcome to
0: this week's episode of the One Football Podcast. I'm your host Dan Burke. Uh, joining me from the One Football Newsroom is Helga Voltzmann. Hello, Giacomo Gallardini. Hi there. And I think the podcast's first ever Frenchman. Yeah, Romain Velter. Bonjour. Um, sorry we weren't able to provide you with a podcast last week um, I could try and offer some sort of elaborate excuse But the truth is we just couldn't be bothered So um, If you want to get in touch with us to Tell us what awful people we are for that The email address to do so is podcast at podcast.onefootball.com um, You can also head over to iTunes And leave us a comment uh, It doesn't even have to be a good comment Even the bad ones will help us rise up the rankings In our quest for world domination yeah. Speaking of world domination, Atletico Madrid won the Europa League okay. on Wednesday evening. Uh, they beat Marseille 3-0 in the final, that's where we're going to start today. Uh, Roman, you were, you were pretty invested in Marseille as a, as a Frenchman. They um, missed a pretty big chance early on, didn't they? Yes. And um, Valéry and um, Blaze one over the bar. You can't afford to miss chances like that
2: in a final, can you? No, I mean, everybody knew that it would be really hard against uh, Atletico. And then they had this really good chance after like three minutes. We really thought it would get in and then they missed this one. They got a second one like two minutes afterwards, and then, and then Griezmann arrived.
0: Mm. I mean, Marseille. I thought they were probably the better team in the first twenty minutes or so, um, and then, as you say, Griezmann arrived. But it was a horrible defensive error that
2: gifted them that opening goal, wasn't it? I mean, unfortunately, if you follow a bit French football, it's not so surprising because Anguissa is a good uh, physically, is a really gifted player,s but techni- technically, technically is really weak. Mm. And so you could see that Gaby was targeting this because he, when Anguissa did the mistake, Gabi was like two, two, two metres away and he took the ball, gave it to Griezmann and it was done directly. So. Mm. Do you think it
0: was, um, it was mainly Anguissa's fault? It was a bit of a what we call a hospital pass in England from uh,
2: Mondando, wasn't it? I think that Mondanda, knowing he's a teammate, shouldn't, should not have done this pass mm. because he was in a bad position to control the ball. He couldn't see what was coming from, uh, from behind. So he maybe he should have put it on the side or something, but not give it to, to Anguissa definitely. Yeah.
1: To me, I have to say as well that I don't know what he was hoping for, like what what could happen afterwards, what would have been better than just like kicking the ball away. Because uh, yeah. <laughs> the only thing that he could have done if he controlled the ball is basically he had no passing options. He could have turned around and tried to kick it somewhere, but the goalkeeper mm-hmm. could have done that way right. easier before. But yeah, the controlling of the ball was definitely exactly, a big yeah. blunder as well. There was another
0: moment towards the end of the game in Marseille as well where they were trying to play out from the back and they just weren't good enough at doing it. Atletico were pressing them and they were panicking, and it was, uh, it was quite embarrassing to watch, actually. Uh, but Griezmann took his goal very well. What did you make of that uh, celebration of his, Helga?
1: Uh, not much. You, you play, are you
0: a Fortnite player? You look like the of sort of player. Of course
1: mate. He just like
3: he did the class one of those most famous Fortnite celebration with the L loser and was just like done single side. It was really cool and it's not the first time it's mm. it. Right? So I think that Griezmann is really good at Fortnite and probably if you go <laughs> online you might find a chance to play against yeah,
1: him. Yeah, Dali Ali plays it as well. Maybe he plays he? against Luis Holtby. He does that as well all the time. Okay. Well. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Galat atlasco completed six final third passes in the first half. How much of their game plan, I don't know how often you watch it, but how much of their game plan is is sort of lulling opponents into a false sense of security and then just pouncing on them like they did then?
3: Well, I guess this is one of the uh, peculiar and uh, most distinctive feature of... Um, uh- Diego Simeone, Um, is an aggressive stance on uh, the pressing and a defensive, really, really attentive and cautious kind of attitude Mm -hmm. when it comes to the uh, opponents as the ball. Um, I really like his game style and in uh, most of the press in Italy and most of the... um, Opinion leaders in Italy are saying that Juventus is just uh, well, Atlético Madrid is just a Juventus that made it in the end Mm. because let's not forget they played four finals in seventh season, they won two Europa League and lost two times against Real Madrid in the final, so uh, they just did the extra mile because the similar way they play the play the way they play is really similar to Juventus. It's just that they have the last ball to win, Mm. and the Europa League are testifying this.
0: Yeah. So Max Allegri is probably leaving Juventus quite soon, isn't he? Do you think Simeone
3: could be the next Juventus manager? Is that uh, I would say that if Simeone would have ever an option to coach in Italy, it would be either for Lazio or Inter, mm. given the fact that he played there, yeah. and given the fact that as an Argentinian he understands the Italian football culture, so he would not go for Juventus, I would mm. say. Number.
0: We'll see, yeah. 58 games in all competitions this season, 49 first-half clean sheets for Atletico, and 53% of their games under Simeone have ended with a clean sheet. That is unbelievable, isn't it? Wow. Uh, but going back to Marseille, Roman, um, Dimitri Payet went off injured after half an hour. How much of a blow was that for them? We were sort of saying in the office that it was game over at that
2: point, weren't we? I mean, they took the goal first, and then it killed the vibe for Marseille, obviously. Mm. And then Payet was really the, the man on the last three games in Europa League. He made like four assists and uh, uh, scored one goal. And he was really the, the key player in this team. And then you could see that all his teammates were like completely down when they saw that Paye was uh, getting out injured, and uh he was crying, and some uh, some of them were not crying, but really close to being really emotional mm. and then you could see that it would be really, really difficult after this but really? obviously <laughs> I think uh Garcia had to put pay on the on the on the pitch because he was really an important player, and even for his teammates, it's important for him to have to have him on the on the pitch
1: and he even almost assisted a goal in the first three minutes if he would have done that it would have been like yeah like take him off after 30 minutes he gave him one
2: goal and he's also taking the free kicks uh, which is something really important because they scored a lot of goals thanks to him thanks to his uh, right foot so Mm. it made sense to have him on the pitch
3: can i say quite uh, something that quite struck my attention when he was about to get in the pitch he touched the cup
0: yes that's right actually what
3: about this because in Italy we're pretty superstitious you don't touch the cup you don't watch the (laughs) cup you just walk through you know you just don't because then what happened he got injured got out Mm. so
2: what do you say about that I mean uh, the image went through uh, Twitter and everything in France also but I don't think we are so superstitious It's mostly (laughs) came from uh, from abroad you know from Spain from Italy okay (laughs) Uh, Griezmann uh, got a second goal very
0: early in the, the second half made it 2-0 I think that pretty much killed the game um, it was all about his co- close control there for me but did you think Mandanda could have done a bit better with that one as well he seems to commit himself a little bit early um, no theories
1: I, don't, I think it's very hard against Griezmann because he can yeah. put it anywhere Like mm. he can like lob it over you he can he can like put a screamer in from everywhere. like I, I think it's really really hard Like as a goalkeeper like, normally I would say, like, yeah, like, like what I love about Testiga and Neuer, they, they stand there, they wait until the striker makes the decision, and then they're fast enough to, to get there. But if you're not that fast, and even, like, against Griezmann, it's, it's just so damn difficult. Yeah. I,
0: True. I thought Jordan Amavi could have done a bit better with tra- tracking the run there as well. It was him, wasn't it, I think.
2: I think the first mistake is in the midfield, mm-hmm. because Koke went through, and then Luis Gustavo had to step out of the defence. And then, obviously, the... The space between Rami and Amavi was not uh, um, closed. So Griezmann, as a skilled player and as a intelligent player as he is, he took the space. But yeah, I think Amavi could have closed the space. But I think the the main fault is uh, definitely in the midfield because mm. Gustavo should have stayed in the defense first.
0: Yeah. We sort of touched on this a little bit earlier about Atletico's sort of effectiveness and um the, the defensive stability that they have. But how how sort of entertaining do you find that to watch, especially as an Italian, because I know your national game is kind of based around that kind of thing. But is is style over substance
3: important or, or would you rather be a team like Atletico who are who are winners? Well, I would say as as my personal opinion, I'm not really a big fan of that kind of defensive play. I like the defensive play <clears throat> That is done um, by keeping the ball, for example, and uh, to have, let's say, an active phase when you're defending. Um, Atletico, in my opinion, is a bit too much like first-team defense. So mm-hmm. the first, most important thing is not to concede any goal, and then let's see what happens on front. And this is something that is really detrimental for the game, as as a, as a you know as a football fan. But I would say um, that, in my opinion. Uh, Simeone really, really, really managed to give a difference in his style of defensive game. He has wonderful players to do that. Let's not forget, for example, I'm in love with Gabi, mm. and I still don't understand how come he was not called ever for the national team. That really gives you an idea on how good is the level for the Spain national team, which was a huge pressure on the shoulder for the World Cup. But let's say that... Um, In my opinion, the uh, individual elements that Atlético Madrid has in his team are really making the difference when it comes to the defensive play.
1: Mm. I gotta say as well, I I might not want to watch it every week because I think everybody who's as a fan, they they like to see their team attack. They like to see like some risks being taken, passes like wonderful passes being played. But like I love them when they play against teams that normally are better than them, Mm -hmm. and they they just manage to outplay them. They manage to them down to their level to make it their game basically or against teams like against Arsenal it was amazing how they like with 10 men just did yeah. not let them yeah they like, score at all like,
3: especially because then uh, it was clear that some of the athletic country player came up and say Simeone made us train 10 against 11 because he thought that that could have been a possibility that yeah. shows a lot about his coaching mm-hmm. abilities and uh, also we, as as a as a you know Probably as an Atletico Madrid fan, you don't care if they're playing really well or not. The most important thing is that they win, because after you lost two final Champions League against Real Madrid, which is your arch nemesis, probably you're not really focused on the way they play, but they actually play quite of some good football, because uh, the majority of the of the goal that for example Luis Garcia conceded when he was coaching Roma were in this kind of situation when you have a counter-attack and the space between the midfield and the defense was just like fimmering really 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 and then there was no uh, possibility for the different kind of like um defense and uh, midfield to interact together anymore the opponents would take the lead and of course it was really really different and this is the kind of atletico madrid counterplay which is really peculiar and,
1: and what i like as well is that they like in the last half hour like yesterday's game they they were not doing you know like the, the typical thing of like sitting back and just mm-hmm. you know kicking the balls and no, then what they basically did is they go they went up front kept the ball away from from their uh, own goal and and basically played passes without any risk, any once in a while they tried like to maybe you know like, when they saw an opening, they would try to go for it, but uh, otherwise they would just like, like keep the ball in possession, keep it running, and just keep them away from their own goal. It was really, really mature play, really clever play mm.
3: I think it's, that's the dif- the difference between the Italian defensive play' <laughs> it is when you score when you're one up and it's 20 minutes to go, you just do whatever is in your power, <laughs> not in the book, but just to 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 take the results so yeah. But, <laughs> That's the difference for
0: me, uh, Roman, I think I thought Marseille were the uh, the sort of underdog of that game last night. You know, um, what's the mood in France today? Is it is it disappointment, or were they sort of not really expecting
2: too much anyway? I think there was um, some disappointment during the game because for the like like fifteen twenty first minutes, we were like we were thinking like, okay, finally mm. Marseille is not doing mm-hmm. so bad. Maybe there is a chance the German strike also, and then finally when they took the goal, it was like we understood that was probably finished. Mm. And then uh, even the players or even the coach, they were not so disappointed when mm. they spoke after the game. Obviously, they're, you're in final, so you think you can win, but everybody knew that Atletico was a much better team and it showed up on the on the pitch too, so there is not so much disappointment. Yeah. And I think in a couple of weeks, they will, they will just be happy to, to get into the final and forget all, the, all about the defeat. I sure.
0: Yeah. I found it interesting last night that Roman and Nico, uh, another of our French colleagues, were both, you know, Marseille fans, but you were yeah. very, very invested in Marseille winning that game, weren't you? Is that something? Do Italians and Germans
3: have that kind of thing? Do you support other Italian and German clubs in Europe? In Italy, we make fun of the French for the nationalists, they can <laughs> But the point is, in my opinion, is just because we're envious. We would like to be nationalists oh. like them, but we're not. So you you don't support you don't support a team that is fifteen kilometers away of your hometown mm. in Italy. Let's not let's not even talk about <laughs> supporting another team, so kudos to them. Yeah. Germany is it is it the same?
1: Well we we do have a Kind of problematic history with being <laughs> with being nationalist.
0: True.
1: Yeah. No. But uh, in general, I think a lot of people do support the 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 German teams. Or like they just argue as well like, for the like five year points. Like that we keep the Champions League spots and all of that. I personally don't really like. I just don't have that connection that much. I don't know. Like, I c- I can't hate them in the league, and they try to win every game, and then just go like, oh yeah, now it would be nice to win. Like mm. I don't know. Like, I kind of go for like okay the team that is like would be the nicest story like this year it would have been cool for Bayern to win it with your again or like going to the final at least I don't know like when for the decima when when Real Madrid was like racing for it for I don't know how long that was gonna kind of like, yeah, now it would be nice for them to win it I, I don't I don't really give a like I you always go for the underdogs <laughs> that's yeah. That's, yeah. The yeah. Underdog Real Madrid. <laughs> <laughs> well, not not in that case, not in that case.
3: But uh, the the way I see it is just like when there is a football uh, match and one of the two teams is really way much better and has the, the, the advantage of you know the expectation that they're going to win. You always go for the underdog because it's the most kind of relatable kind of story. You can just like you want them to win. So I guess that probably with Marseille, for as much as I'm probably between Atletico Madrid and Marseille, I would have said, of course, Atletico Madrid, just because Marseille is French. No, no, it's not true. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. it's just, I don't like Luis Garcia. That's, that's for what he did to Roma. And it's really, <laughs> no,
2: I don't, couldn't, couldn't do that. I think the thing also for French is that we don't reach so many finals. So when we are <laughs> there, we try to, to enjoy the moment. <laughs> you enjoy, know. Yeah, yeah. But um, not everyone was for Marseille uh, in France. Mm. But for instance, last year with Monaco, it was really, everyone in France was behind them because mm. it was a nice story. They were playing good football. Nice players like Mbappé or Lemar or Falcao. So mm-hmm. it was really a good adventure last year.
0: It doesn't really extend to PSG, does it, either? I don't, I learned last night. I Honestly, club, I think
2: but... if PSG managed to reach the final of Champions League, maybe they will have most of France behind them. But no. <laughs> we don't really no, like PSG. You. It's like, it's like a, how can I say, a fake team. It's like a build-up from money coming from elsewhere. They don't compete in the same uh, same division as the other clubs, so it's really... And even more this year with Neymar and Mbappé, it's like they bring uh, 400 millions with two players and it's it's like three times or four times or ten times the budget of other clubs in Ligue 1, so it doesn't really make sense. Yeah. Especially if you end up being eliminated in the quarterfinals every year in Champions League. Mm. So. Yeah. I can't speak for all Englishmen,
0: but uh, certainly most of us don't really uh, support other English teams in Europe. i suspicious of other people that do that actually. I think pettiness is a big part of our national game that yeah. needs to be uh, preserved. Uh, So now that the domestic football season is almost over all over Europe, uh, it's time to have a look back at some of the highlights and lowlights. Thankfully we just happen to have a Bundesliga expert, a Serie A expert and a League Earn expert here in the studio, um, along with someone who knows a little bit about the Premier League. And I've also enlisted the help of our good friend Daniel Kidd Jordan to take care of the La Liga side of things. Um, So let's get straight in there. I want to know who the Bundesliga player of the season was, Helga.
1: To me, personally, it's Jiri Pavlenka, because I did not see that coming. He was probably the best goalkeeper of the season for and like played for the team that I support for Werder Bremen. Mm. It was amazing to see that, because he was a no-name from the like Czech league, and nobody saw that coming. In general, I would just say Naldo. He has been absolute in form. He, seven goals for a centre-back. Mm. He's been, I think, almost the best or one of the best in, when it comes to tackling and all of that. Um. Yeah. Like he's been, and he's 35 years old, and he's like, yeah, still one of the best centre backs in the league. Like, it's, it's amazing.
2: Naldo it is. Yeah. yeah. League one? I would say Edinson Cavani. He mm. scored 28 goals, even though he had some problems with Neymar and, uh, and all the Brazilians uh, mafia in uh, Paris Saint Germain. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a pity because really this year most of the balls were going through through Neymar. Even Mbappe was playing mostly for Neymar. And still, Cavani managed to score this many goals, so it's really, it's really impressive. But now people don't really know if he will stay in Paris because of, of the little issues. And second player, I would say Nabil Fekir, because he was really so important for Lyon. Uh, when he was missing a few games, they really dropped. Uh, they lost some games and everything. Is really, really important. Ginesio just uh, uh, build up a, a tactical uh, frame for him to be really in his position as a number 10 and to play to not have so many defensive things to do. Mm-hmm. So I would say Fikir also.
0: Great. He could be heading to the Premier League in the yeah. summer, we think, don't
2: we? I think he could, but I'm not sure Liverpool would be the best option. Mm. Yeah, I agree, actually. I don't really see where he's going to play. No, I don't see
0: where
3: he yeah, could play yeah. like this. Gala, sorry. I will surprise you all and say uh, two players of the same team. That is a kind of... Uh, well, I wouldn't say one of the top teams, but it's Lazio. Mm. And for me, the the best player of the season was Sergei Milinkovic-Savic. He really, really um, performed uh, over the expectation that he has. Let's not forget it is uh, the second season is playing in Lazio and is doing way much better than the first season. I would say is really an exponential explosion. Now every team is behind him. Is probably gonna uh, sign for Real Madrid for a fee that is like astronomical, like eighty million. Is uh, really young. Is uh, relatively uh, also experienced player because he has experience of at least two of the top uh, uh, five. Uh, national leagues in Europe, so I would say that he also contributed a lot to put Lazio ahead, for example, of Inter and Milan in, in the in Serie A chart, and let's not forget that they're fighting for a uh, fourth place in Serie A that would mean Champions League for them, so technically we don't know what the president of Lazio is going to do when they will have the money and the budget to go for the Champions League, probably is going to keep Sergei Milinkovic Savic, and I'm quite sure he's going to perform... <clears throat> Uh, as well uh, during the summer and uh, is going to have a really, really uh, good future ahead of him. And, of course, I would say also another Lazio player, which is Immobile, because he scored 29 goals in mm. Serie a. Which, given the fact that it's a really, really defensive uh, league, let's not forget that, yeah, it's a pity for him is not going to compete for the World Cup. Mm. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's that's my two-take.
0: Yeah, we're going to come to the goal of the season in a bit, but i will be amazed if uh, his goal... Uh that volley flick thing that he scored, isn't The volley there? with the heel, yeah. Isn't it in contention for that somehow? Probably. Um, so for the Liga, Danielle went for some guy called uh, Lionel Me- Messi, Who? is it? Oh. Never, I don't never heard, heard of it. Him. Must be no. one of the younger, yeah,
3: yeah. probably Cantera. <laughs> <maybe>. <laughs> uh,
0: for the Premier League, um, I'm going to go for Kevin De Bruyne. Um, regular Jeff, listener yeah. of the show will know that I'm a Man City fan, so I am a little <laughs> bit biased, but... Um, I think you've got to give it to the best player in the best team in the league, haven't yeah. you? <laughs> haven't you? Most assists as well. Yeah. That's... And those people who are screaming now about Mo, some guy called Mo Salah, we'll come to him in a minute. Don't worry. Uh, but we're going to move on. Manager of the season in the Bundesliga.
1: I think there's two obvious choices with uh, Domenico Tedesco of Schalke mm-hmm. and Julian Nagelsmann of uh, Hoffenheim. Because yeah, Tedesco managed to bring Schalke back to second place from from a terrible season beforehand. Not playing the the nicest football out there, but like very like sound defensively, and then just scoring the odd goal in, in front, and just managed like that. Nagelsmann having a really bad start to the season, kind of adapting to European football, but then managed actually like a terrific run in the second half when they dropped out of the Europa League, and like really came back strong, mm. and, and managed to secure the Champions League. Um, but to me as well, I would go for Manuel Baum, because he is the manager of uh, FC Augsburg, and everybody expected them to go down like last I don't know 15 That basically a like like, everybody expected them to be like that they played a phenomenal season record start and then never even thought about relegation so and that's actually something I would highlight as well incredible
0: mm. no yup
1: well yes but <laughs> <laughs> it was to be expected when he came in like it was it was crazy good what he did with Bayern um, he still like stabilized them on the other hand then Dortmund fell apart the other teams like, I think for the half of the season Schalke was the worst second team of the history of the Bundesliga when it came to points. It wasn't it wasn't that hard to win the league in the end. Actually like Ancelotti if he would have continued with his average points, he would have led the league for half time and he was he was sacked. Like it wasn't that tough anymore <laughs> to be honest. <laughs>
2: Roman? Well for Ligue 1, I think I need to speak about Emery obviously mm. because he won the uh Ligue 1, Coupe de France and Coupe de la Ligue. And got sacked. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I was not a big fan of Emery uh, because of his style on the side of the, of the field also. Uh, really aggressive sometimes and uh, uh, really active, but not in a good way, I think, for the players. And what was also disappointing at the end of his, uh, of his time at Paris, he gave a conference like last week or two weeks ago. He said that basically when he came to France, he was really aggressive. It was his style of uh, coaching and his style of play also. And that the players who were used to Laurent Blanc was a bit more uh, a classic uh, coach and uh, really nice and uh, talking smoothly. Uh, basically, the main players in Paris Saint-Germain like Thiago Mota or Thiago Silva anything, they said that they don't want this kind of, uh, of management which is really aggressive and everything. They want uh, someone really calm. Mm-hmm. And basically, Amrith uh, acknowledged that uh, he had to change his style basically in Paris. And I think that it's maybe also why he didn't make it in the Champions League because I think the main game of uh, Paris with Emery it was against uh, Barcelona, mm-hmm. Bastia when they won 4-0. Yeah. It was really his style. They were really playing as he wanted. And then you could see this year even uh, in the second league against Barcelona that they didn't really follow his, uh, his tactic or his way of uh, coaching and they really slept. And otherwise I would say Jean-Louis Gasset um, Saint Etienne is a really important club in France. Uh, this winter they were like in the third last place. So this guy came in. He was he was uh, the number two uh, behind Laurent Blanc in Paris Saint Germain, in Bordeaux, in Equipe de France. He came in. He started as a number two behind a young coach, like a really nice jester. And after two games, he took over the the position as the number one. Mm. Then Debuchy came in and Villa, some good players. Yeah. And now, finally, they're contending for Europa League. So I think it's really a, a good adventure and a solid coach. Mm. Uh, and I think it's important also because in France, there is this thing between a French coach and a foreign coach. Oh, uh, really? This divide all the time. So yeah. nationalism coming out again, is it? Yes, everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, are please, Scala. Um,
3: well, there is uh, plenty of options uh, that that I would say they were like deserve a nominee. I would start by saying that for me the best would be uh, Maurizio Sarri for what he did with Napoli, for what he did in a um, three year span. So it's not something that of course uh, came out of the of the blue like cold turkey, but this is something that we soundly expected, and Sarri really managed to keep one of the five top uh, leagues of Europe really really exciting until the very end really fresh game really aggressive fast even he had really good endorsement by Guardiola for example he had endorsement from all of uh, the most important coaches all over Europe so I would say that uh, the president of Napoli Aurelio de Rolentes they really have to make a good bid and a good effort to keep him because otherwise Uh, is probably going to be the next uh, most famous Italian coach all around uh, Europe, I would Mm. say. There are a few other names that I would like to spend some words on. I would say uh, even Simone Inzaghi for Lazio uh, really performed very well because he started as a second. Mm. uh, He was not the first option for the president of Lazio and he managed to get Lazio the uh, fourth place until uh, the last game (laughs) against Inter that is going to be for the Champions League. So I would say that uh, it didn't have a lot of pressure but Lazio is really playing aggressively really offensive. Um, They had the best goal difference and they have the second best uh, forward in Serie A which is not something that you can hide behind I mm. would say Uh Jean-Paul also for Sampdoria uh, for me merit a mention because it's going to be the next Sari that's what the people say so let's see how it goes so. mm. and what about uh, uh, well Daniel
0: for La Liga went for Ernesto Valverde at Barcelona Um, <laughs> Controversial. He's,
1: he's one for obvious choices apparently. very nearly
0: went the season unbeaten until that <laughs> absolute shit show on uh, Sunday night um, I'm going to controversially go for Pep Guardiola yeah you didn't see that coming did you no 100 no, points just 100 points and what about Venga Venga yeah not really not no, no. <laughs> Sam Allardyce of course worthy of a mention as always
3: but they just sacked him I mean,
0: it's just like 6 months there and he got sacked yep. again go to make someone else happy somewhere else now <laughs> Signing of the season in the Bundesliga.
1: I uh, already touched on Pavlenka. It mm-hmm. uh, was really like three million for a very solid goalkeeper. Now it's being said like at least like twenty if they if anyone wants to buy him. Even though he's like publicly said he's going to stay. Well, ba- Baumann has said that he's going to stay. Um, there's a signing that you normally don't get anymore. There's like Marius Wolf of um, of Eintracht Frankfurt. He has cost the club five hundred thousand euros. Wow. He was. On loan first, and then they're like, gonna buyout clause. Though, like, that they implemented the contract. They bought him for five hundred thousand. He scored five goals, assisted nine. Almost like until they basically collapsed in the end of the season. He almost brought them to like help bringing them to, to the Europa League or even Champions League. Um, crazy, crazy buy. Basically, mm-hmm. you don't make that happen normally anymore. Uh, another one I would go for is Hannes, because that's a deal that as well you normally don't get anymore like, a player like that with the quality he's shown it's not normal that you get him on a on a I think they paid like 10 million 11 million for the loan and now they have a buyout class for 40 million mm. it, but the transfer market as it is like it would easily be 100 or even more million for a player like that now but yeah they managed to get a really good deal out of it I think he's going to improve next season as well when he's settled down and you know like I think it's going to be really really good
0: Great. So
2: Neymar, obviously, for you. No. Uh, <laughs> the two names, they are Luis Gustavo, uh, mm-hmm. because uh, when we saw him coming to Marseille, we thought like, OK, he's coming for the sun, he's coming for his retirement. And finally, he showed up to be one of the best players of Ligue 1 this year. They're, I like his Rick James perm that he's sporting at the moment as well, actually. Yes, yeah. yeah, <laughs> they really need, need someone like this, you know, with experience. Someone in the midfield or even in defence is really one of the best. And uh, the, um, the other players in Marseille are a bit uh, younger and everything, so they really re- needed someone like this who could also uh, let the offensive player really do their thing in, uh, up front and uh, him behind like uh, sweeping uh, all mm-hmm. the balls and everything. And then the other name would be Mariano Diaz, uh, who came to Lyon. He was coming from Real Madrid, almost never playing for the first team. He had to take the place of Lacazette, which was a big thing because Lacazette was really a, a god in Lyon. And finally, he showed up to be a really good striker. Yeah, I think he's, he, he scored like 15, 16, or 17 goals in Liga, which is something really great for a mm. first season. So finally, it was a big bet, but it uh, turned out to be a Pay good off. bet. Yeah. yeah.
3: Seria? Seria would go for uh, Censik Under from As mm. Roma because he, some of the people are saying that he could be the new seller. Let's hope that some that this time they're gonna have a higher price when they're gonna sell it. <laughs> uh, but Chen Zikun really showed that for a um, uh, guy that uh, never played professional football before, it was just like in the youth teams in Turkey. Came to Syria, quite difficult approach, quite difficult league, uh, but he managed to ingrain really well in the in the style of play of Roma with Osabia di Francesco. So I would say that is gonna be a guy that in a t- Two, three years, he could sell it for over €50 million, Euros, so it's a good good sign. Second name, I would say Milan Skriniar, uh, central defender for Inter, signed from Sampdoria, uh, from Slovakia. Really good defender, really young. We're going to hear a lot about him in the future. Great. Uh, Daniel went
0: for Diego Costa. Which is an interesting one considering he couldn't play for half a season. And um, Munir, who went to Alaves on loan from Barca, I think he scored 14 goals or something like that. Um, I guess I'm kind of obliged to say Mo Salah at this point, aren't I? So the guy did score 32 goals in his debut season. It's it's quite impressive. Um, We're running out of time, so we'll 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 whip through this quickly. Goal of the season, Helga, in Uh, Bundesliga
1: against Wolfsburg. We like when he controlled the ball, did like the twist around two defenders. Lobbed it over the goalkeeper and had like the defender just like jumping forward. We we literally just started applauding in the office when we saw it because we didn't expect it from him. Mm. He's not a dribbler per se, but <laughs> it was really incredible. It was a great goal. Yeah.
2: Roman? For Ligue 1, it would be Malcolm against Dijon. He took the ball on oh, the sideline, yeah. like dribbled a bit to the center and like forty meters away from the from the goal just shot and hit the top corner. It was mm. amazing. <laughs> yeah, I remember that one, yeah. Well, I would obviously go
3: for that <laughs> heel flip from Ciro, Ciro. with Lazzi against uh, Inter, I would say. I don't yeah. remember the opponent thing. Uh, That was really, really impressive. Like, he was stunned, you, just mm. like how this could happen. Did he really manage to want it to do that? Yeah. I would
0: say. <laughs> uh, Daniel went for uh, Anthony Lozano of Girona against Villarreal. I watched the goal last night, actually. It was very good. Um, the one I'm going for is Jermaine Defoe against Crystal Palace it was sort of Marco Van Basten-esque mm. but he didn't seem to get a mention in the yeah. end of season yeah. sort of chat uh, in the Premier League strangely um, and lastly the disappointment of the season in the Bundesliga
1: there were plenty <laughs> <laughs> <It's usual. laughs> give me one, one give say, me one because yeah. we are running out of time yeah, um, I mean uh, apart from Cologne and, and Hamburg which is obviously because they got relegated um, for me it was Dortmund really because mm. after the terrible way of letting Tuchel go they then in Aubameyang and Dembele trying so hard to leave the club, going on strike. Uh, Bosch, after a good start and just collapsing. Stöger, with sometimes terrible games in the Europa League, somehow barely managed to make it. Like, it was a really, really bad season for them. It could mm-hmm. have gone way better. Uh, and hopefully they managed now over the summer to sort this out a little bit with a new coach.
2: Yeah. For in it would be sorry Lille, because uh, mm. they had new management. They brought uh, Marcelo Bielsa, so everybody thought yeah. that Lille would be amazing. They bought also promising young players from South America, but it turned out to be a nightmare this season. They spent most of the season uh, in, the, uh, f- in the in the end of the re- relegations. Zone, relegations so yeah, I'm yeah. Sorry, and finally they will not be relegated. But I think uh, they really need to forget this season and mm-hmm. do something else last year. Yeah, rip it all start yeah. again. Yeah,
3: so we yeah, are disappointment, all My- of it. <laughs> well, well, it's hard when your team is the disappointment team, it's the flop team of this area, which is asymmetrical. In my opinion, 280 million euros spent the last market window in just Europa League, seventh place. No, nothing
1: changed, basically, right? Thank you. Thank you, Helga. That's, that's <laughs>
3: hard. I cannot handle the truth, I guess. And as for players, I would say probably a chic that mm-hmm. Wolfsbob from Roma. Uh, from Sampdoria 48 million euros the most expensive um, uh, transfer for Roma after Totti leads the team really disgusting awful terrible season for him and also speaking about AC Milan Nikola Kalinic 40 Mm -hmm. million from Fiorentina only two goals score damn Uh, Daniel said uh, not so grande
0: Karim Benzema five league goals all season I have to disagree on (laughs) this. thanks (laughs) <laughs> uh, I'm going to go for Everton um, who were dreadful uh, spent a fair bit of money themselves and Frank DeBoer um, we thought we were going to get total football and we got total shit so um, we're going to have to leave that there um, thank you to my guests to Helga, Roman and Giacomo to our producer Damo and to everyone for listening at home and we'll be back next week see you then